A few days after Christmas, I made the decision to withdraw for a month from all social media. Now, there were many reasons for this decision, not least being my general sense of despair concerning how uncivilly and how uncharitably we tend to act toward one another on social media. But the real reason I unplugged was simply on account of a few books I had just digested concerning the way these technologies are intentionally manipulating human psychology. Now, I won't go into the details this morning of how our social media habits are literally rewiring our brains, though it's fascinating stuff, I promise. No, instead, I want simply this morning to draw our attention to one important detail about that. Speaking of how these technologies are meant to be addictive, of how they are designed to make us constantly desire more, Sean Parker, the creator of Napster and the first president of Facebook, says quite bluntly, and I quote, The thought process that goes into building these social media applications is all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? How do we keep you coming back for more? Well, the answer to that question, he goes on to explain, is this, quote, We do so by making certain to give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while. And so in that way, quote, we are consciously exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. We make certain to give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while, so it keeps you coming back for more. Now, I don't intend to prolong our time together this morning by casting Jeremiah's against social media. Truth is, I like social media. I like it a lot, and I have no intention of staying away from it. Instead, I bring all of this up this morning simply to highlight what Sean Parker says about the power of dopamine, about the power of that biochemical agent that social media architects like Sean Parker consciously manipulate in order to keep people like us coming back for more. Dopamine. You've all heard of this molecule before? Dopamine is one of about 20 neurotransmitters located in the brain, and it's a chemical that, put quite bluntly, when activated, makes us feel good, gives us a rush, gives us a sugar high of sorts. It's the pleasure particle in the brain. And I mention it this morning not so as to highlight its role in social media, but to highlight its role in virtually all facets of 21st century culture. Because if we look closely, this desire for and exploitation of dopamine drives virtually everything around us today, from our social media habits, to our purchasing proclivities, to our conception of what education is, to even our conception of what church should be for. For the simple truth is this, we live in a day and in a time when many people think of church not as a place for the slow, steady cultivation of Christian discipleship, 
and not for the knowledge that here is a place to learn to serve and to give back, and not for the warm, familiar sense of coming home to a place where one is known and valued, but rather for a place where one can get a thrilling experience, a place where one can get swept up in the fervor of the crowd, a place where the newness and the excitement and the thrill and the emotional power are what people keep coming back to for more. A place where discipleship has just as much to do with dopamine as it does with devotion. Now, please know that in saying this, I do not seek to disparage or to dismiss, nor do I seek in pointing this out to undervalue the significance of feeling. I think it is probably pretty clear by now that I'm a pretty passionate person, and I feel things very deeply. Being moved and being inspired in worship is of utmost importance to me. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Now I'm simply pointing out that around the world today, church, like everything else in 21st century culture, is increasingly being seen for how deeply it can make one feel rather than how formative for one it can be. Do you follow that? Instead of come here for the chance to serve or come here for the chance to learn or come here for the chance to give or come here for the chance to be known and to be a small part of something, instead it increasingly seems to be come here for the experience. Come here for the fireworks. Come here for the feeling. Come here because, well, here you'll never be bored. Am I making any sense? Okay, good. So I bring all this up this morning, all this talk of dopamine and its relevancy to contemporary church culture, because this morning I get great pleasure getting to announce a new communications theme for us at Boulevard Baptist Church. But in order to fully appreciate this new theme, we have to first understand how countercultural it is in many ways. You see, to fully appreciate this new theme, we have to first understand that in an age when more and more churches are fretting over losing ground and losing numbers and are thus reacting by trying to make their church product ever more exciting, we at Boulevard are instead recommitting ourselves to the quiet, unassuming, unexciting work of daily service and discipleship. In an age when more and more churches are trying to figure out how to make the church experience feel brand new each week, we at Boulevard are committed to making church feel, well, like it's always felt for some 2,000 years. In an age when more and more churches are trying to make their culture seem more adventurous, well, we at Boulevard are continuing the simple work of ensuring that our church feels like home. That it feels like home. Do you know how few churches today can use this metaphor 
to describe themselves, church, as home? Increasingly few. For home is a place where things and people are familiar and stable, not in constant flux and ever new. Home is a place where we find our rooting and derive our deepest identity, not a place we come and go from depending on whether or not it is meeting our current needs. Home is a place where we are known and valued, not a place where we are face in a crowd. Home is a place we come to not for the experience. Home is a place we come to simply because it's home, simply because we are known here and because we are loved here and because we matter here and because we are family here. Friends, in an age when church culture is increasingly predicated on generating dopamine highs in order to keep people coming back, we at Boulevard Baptist Church hope people will keep coming back because and coming, people feel like they're coming home. Okay, let me shift gears for a minute and talk about the scripture for a while. This is supposed to be a sermon after all, right? In today's gospel lesson from Mark chapter 8, Jesus comes upon a blind man who immediately upon encountering him asks Jesus to heal him. And if we look closely at the text, we see that upon Jesus first touching the blind man's eyes, he regains his sight, but not entirely. Suddenly he sees, but he sees only fuzzily, only hazily. And so Jesus then touches his eyes a second time. And this time, the text tells us, quote, his sight was restored and he saw clearly. His sight was restored and he saw clearly. Whereas he at first saw, but only fuzzily, now he sees clearly. Whereas he first saw something, but was not entirely certain what, now he sees everything with stark clarity. There is so much to say about this little passage, not least about how it symbolically foreshadows the disciples' realization of Jesus as Messiah in the very next moment. But I bring this passage up this morning simply because I find it to be such a fascinating insight into the nature of faith itself. Of how, like this blind man, we too can see the importance of something can see the significance of something in our lives, but not yet see clearly just how important and significant that something is. Of how it can take a moment of epiphany, a moment like a second touch of the eyes, for us to finally see something we've long been seeing, but now see in its starkest clarity. Do you follow? Well, so is it, I submit, with realizing just how central our own church is in our lives. So is it, I submit, in seeing that Boulevard Baptist Church is not just our church, but the boulevard has become for us home. 
And if that makes any sense to you at all, if you're still following me after all these herky-jerky twists and turns, then here now is what my intention for this sermon is. I want this sermon to inspire us all to think of our own experience of Boulevard, of how we got here, of why we stayed here, of what this church has meant in our lives. And then I want us to think about whether there was not some moment when Boulevard ceased being just church to us and suddenly became home. What was the moment for us when our eyes were touched that second time and we no longer saw fuzzily? What was the moment when we saw with stark clarity that Boulevard had become home? Well, to get us started, here's mine. First, let me say, since arriving at Boulevard, you all have been nothing but wonderful to April and me. This church has gone out of its way to make us feel welcome, to encourage us, to make us feel like we belong here, and to make me feel like you're glad that I am your pastor. And we have we've appreciated it immensely. But kindness and encouragement alone, of course, do not entirely make a church home for a pastor. It simply makes church a place where it's a joy to work rather than a burden. And that certainly isn't nothing. It just doesn't yet make church home. That makes sense. Well, here's when Boulevard ceased being just a church to me. Here's the moment when Boulevard became home. One morning in late November, just before Thanksgiving, I went to make coffee as I do every morning in the break room. And as I stood by the Keurig waiting for the coffee to finish brewing, I saw a folded note in my mailbox. And so, standing there waiting for my coffee to finish, I opened the note to read what it said. And it simply said this. Dear Austin and April, Thank you for sharing your children with us. They are such a joy. What a blessing it will be for us to watch them grow up. They will never be far from our prayers. That was it. No name, nothing further. Thank you for sharing your children with us. What a blessing it will be for us to watch them grow. They will never be far from our prayers. Friends, I can take my children to countless churches where they will be overwhelmed by pleasure and thrill. Where every Sunday will feel to them more like an event than a service. Where the emphasis for them will be more on fun than formation and thus where the excitement alone will have them begging me to take them back. But there are only so many churches today where my children will be really known and valued where they will be taught to serve and to give back, where they will always feel stable and supported, where the whole community will be involved in raising them from dedication to baptism to walking in the newness of life, where the whole community will be praying for them as they grow up. And finally, where come that day when they have grown up and left for college and then later for their own lives, where that same church, made up of the same people, will be standing right here in the same place, 
whenever they want or need to come back. I can take my kids anywhere for fireworks. I want church for my kids to feel like home. And that day receiving that letter, that's when Boulevard became home. So that's my story, and I have no doubt that most of you have similar stories as well. It's my suspicion that most of you can also think back to a single moment, back to a single event, likely a small but deeply meaningful one, when it was like Christ touching your eyes that second time. A moment when suddenly you realized the boulevard was not just church to you, not just some place that was important to you, but the boulevard, but the boulevard had become home to you. And assuming so, let us not underestimate how significant such a realization is. For in a time when the premium in church culture and in the culture at large is increasingly on fireworks and on the excitement and the allure of the new, there's a world of people who want desperately to find a church community that simply feels like home. For every family out there who wants excitement and a buzzing crowd, there's another family out there who simply wants to know that an entire church is praying for their children and is quietly committed to helping raise them. For every person out there who wants a church that shimmers and shines, there's another person out there that just wants a church that serves and salves. Friends, as we move forward as a church, let us be proud that ours is such a community. Let us be proud that ours has always been such a community and that ours will always be such a community. And let us therefore name and claim this identity at Boulevard so that those who hunger for such a community as well will know that here is a place they can come to find it. That's when Boulevard became home. That is our new theme for 2020. That's when Boulevard became home. And so to that end, we are inviting as many of you as are willing to come and tell us your own stories of when Boulevard became home for you, of when Boulevard ceased being just church for you, but instead became home of when that moment of epiphany arrived for you, of when your eyes were touched that second time and suddenly you saw it clearly, saw with stark clarity just what Boulevard meant to you. Your story of when Boulevard became home. We will video these stories and then we will share them throughout the wider community so that all of those who are hungering for a church community that has no bells and whistles but that simply feels like home, so that all those who hunger for a church like that will know that Boulevard Baptist Church is a place for them. And so having said all of that and having preached much longer than usual, thank you for your patience. Having said all of that, I close today by playing you our first of these videos. This first featuring our beloved Anita Elrod, charter member of Boulevard Baptist Church, founding church secretary, wearer of every possible Boulevard hat, 
and 66 years later, still integral servant in the life of our community. Here's Anita narrating her own moment when Boulevard Baptist Church became home. In the very beginning, when we started this church in 1953, I think none of us realized the struggle it was going to be to put all the pieces together for the leadership and all of the things that had to be a part of it. And so when I volunteered to be the secretary, I didn't realize then how much work was going to be involved in getting this off the ground each week. But the support that I felt from all the many people who helped me along the way and the way God was able to use my gifts and skills as we tried to do all of the things that needed to be done, that's when Boulevard became home. The late poet Maya Angelou once wrote that the ache for home lives in us all. For most people, church is just church. For some people, church is home. To God be the glory that Boulevard is home for us. Amen.